For I am, saith the Spirit of grace, not only to this body standing here, but those that are watching and all those family churches that are gathered to this vision. I am to you very concerning you. I am concerning you very jealous over you in a godly manner. For I have not only birthed you, but I have been bringing you up on this path to bring forth this outpouring on this planet, saith the Spirit of grace. So I continue to nurture you and I receive these praises and praises in other places that I might come upon you and saturate you with more of an earnest desire and even lust to come into my presence and find every possible manner, no matter your busyness, no matter your call, husband, wife, mother, sister, brother, pastor, businessman, businesswoman, to me, my grace is extended to you to call you over into this place. For I'm very jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For as I have nurtured you, I am counting on you for your part in the promised land to possess that which I have commissioned you to go into a place of a spiritual outpouring with signs and wonders so powerful that they are the exact replica of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all the things that I did, so all men may gaze upon you and say, truly there is a God in the earth in these last days, saith the Spirit of grace. So therefore I'm very, very and earnestly jealous over you that I keep you in a place of going forward on the foundation that I have given you, not looking to the right, not looking to the left, nor any, or entering into another man's call, but stay on this place. Stay on track because you're scheduled to receive these things. And they're very, very nigh unto you, saith the Spirit of grace. With great pleasure, I say these things unto you. Stay on track, for I am jealous over you, saith the Spirit of grace. Well, Father, we just worship you. We thank you for all the elders and the people that are watching today and everyone that's here. We're witnessing a development of something that the earth hasn't seen in thousands of years since the book of acts has there ever been such an outpouring that is scheduled and is overtaking us day by day in such a manner as that changing the foundation causing those who will be part of this joel's army to be perfected through all the things that you're giving instruction on and part of that is the prophetic speakings the current prophetic words that you're giving present-day speakings, Lord, that we understand. Go along with everything that the Holy Spirit is telling us and guiding us as we get closer to this outpouring. Father, we love you and we worship you, glorify you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 
you're going to need to listen for the next few moments. Sometimes when something's this long, I kind of dread it a little bit because I, my face is down so much and I'm not making eye contact, which I love to do. But this is part of this morning's message. Last Sunday morning at the Family Prayer Center in Tulsa, there were at least three prophecies either came forth in the service or uh, services or I'm, I'm not sure about the last one. I, I know it was given on that day or presented on that day. Um, but I want to read them because they're all one subject, one thought uh, pattern from the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's very important as a pastor that I continue to give to you everything that comes in as far as what I hear that's really necessary to complete the process and keep you in a position where you're winning all the time and you're not that nobody gets anything less from the Lord out there that, than what you're supposed to be getting. So we're all growing together. This was spoken in, uh, I'll just tell you, the, the first, and I don't normally do this, but I'll, I just know that the first couple of them I know, and maybe all three, I'm not sure, but uh, were spoken by Brother Gary Carpenter at the close of one service. Um, but this is what the Holy Spirit said in these, these prophecies. An even darker period is coming, and very shortly coming. So this is one of the reasons I'm encouraging you today, says the Lord, to build you up and increase your stamina, so that your endurance fail not during the dark time that is quickly upon the earth. For it shall get even darker than it is now before the light shall come. But I have not abandoned you, and I have not forgotten one word of my promise. I will not forsake you. I will not alter the things that, I, that have gone out of my mouth, and I am calling you this day to endure even more, says the Lord. That is why I am building you up on your most holy faith today and encouraging you, reminding you, I am the fourth man. How many of you know the fourth man was the Jesus in the fire with the, those that were in the fiery furnace? And I'm with you in every one of these circumstances. Waver not at what I have spoken. Endure, and you shall see the reward of my promise, says the Lord. That was entitled even darker before the light. Well, the next one is press in more, dash, continue in endurance. This is a time for pressing in like you have never pressed before. You say, Lord, I've already pressed, been pressing in. Press in more. Press in more, says the Lord. I am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Press in more, says the Lord. Press in. The enemy is raging in every way that he can to get you to stop physically, financially, emotionally, marriages or marriage relationship in every way he is looking for any chink in your armor hoping a fiery dart will take you out keep high the shield of faith say what i have said it is written it is written it is written say what i have said you will quench every fiery dart not one will find a chink in the armor i am a rewarder of those who diligently seek me continue in endurance and you will see 
that the and see the re that reward, says the Lord. Now the third is a little bit longer than the first two, which is entitled "The Fellowship is the Necessity." The need for the press has not changed, nor has the need for endurance, for you are made to endure in me. And though there are pressures now and pressures to slow down, to stop, to rest, what it will be like in the days ahead, for the days ahead will require a level of endurance that you, my army, are being trained for and are attaining to. Through fire, or though fires are burning and pressures come from different directions, I am the strength and the one who quickens my army, both individually and corporately. Through leaning into me purposefully, you are becoming stronger as I bring the quickening necessary to run with me. Be still and know that the greatest place is in my presence. For no other place can you receive what is needed for the days you are headed into. The capacity for abiding and dwelling, for remaining and lingering, are being enlarged as you stay in the press of greatly increasing in me. Be still and trust, for I am establishing a steadfastness in my army. And though the winds blow and the storms come, my army shall stand on the horizon change can be seen but stay the course of giving yourselves to me for excuse me for only in me only on this path of fellowship do desires come to pass that originate in me though the plans of man can be many and the plans of man can be seen pressing indeed for that which you are catching glimpses of on the horizon there is a birthing required a renewing still to take place and a transformation to complete that only comes on the course of giving yourselves dil diligently and purposefully to me the fellowship is the necessity and it and it is this fellowship individually and corporately that the enemy endeavors to stop. There must still be a quieting beyond the quieting that has been attained to. There must still be a rest beyond the rest that has been received. There st must still be a passion and a fervency dash strengths that cannot be preached or breached by the adversary. And there must continually be the foundation of times in my presence individually where I come exactly and supernaturally with what each one needs and imparting and an infilling that are supernatural indeed come to me continually and be filled with more of me I do not change, but your need for me is changing. For what I'm de depending on you for as my army requires an increasing in what you are receiving and an even greater fellowship with me. These are good days to be in, for the greater 
you reach into fellowship with me, the greater your days shall be, no matter the circumstances about you that you see. I do not change. Let your change be great through your fellowship with me, for on you I am depending, and in you I confidently believe. Amen. Amen. So we're, I'm going to give you a portion of Scripture to turn to in just a moment and follow along. We're actually going to do a couple of chapters of Old Testament reading, which is very interesting and familiar to many of you. And we'll, I'll have you turn there in just a moment. Let me, let me make some observations for all of you and, and an understanding. And for those of you that are listening, we're always, if you're engaged on this trek, for a spiritual outpouring as a church as a group going forward whether they're here or whether they're watching or whether they're part of our sister churches we're always in a spiritual warfare now at times you may get reprieves where things don't don't, don't seem to be so busy in the spirit like you know you kind of catch your breath and there's you know high times and you're feeling good and you're just going on vacation or you know we just had a high worship service and and that's all wonderful because all reprieves what seemingly are reprieves when you feel like the world around you makes sense again and there's peace it's because not because there's not a war it's because the dominion that you're living in has taken enough sufficiency over the spiritual warfare that's out there to bring everything under that subjection for the time being but never, never think this, uh, that acknowledging it, uh, not, let me say it like this, not acknowledging the spiritual warfare doesn't nullify it. In other words, it doesn't make it go away. Uh, don't talk about that. Let's not talk about the devil. I was hoping he would lose my address. <laughs> if, you're in gay, if you're wanting to go forward in revival, you're always, there's always a war. Now, the battles might come at different times, the intensity of it, but not talking about him. I've seen some people act like before, like not talking about the devil will make him go away. (laughs) That's a childish, very childish, infantile disposition to have. But here's, here's a truth. The more prepared, and we saw this from these prophecies, heard this from these prophecies, And we know this by the word of God and the spirit of truth. The more prepared we are, the more we will live in a constant state of victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Uh, And the other thing, too, is here's the thing. The more prepared you are in the spirit and knowing that there's a warfare out there, the more God conscious you are. I know there's a devil. I know that there we 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 wrestle not, you know, the last six messages Six or six messages on Sunday have been the war in two parts. So we've been talking about spiritual warfare in two different parts. I know there's a devil, but I don't want you to become demon conscious like your world you live. I don't want you to become more devil conscious than God conscious. I want you to have a God. See, my whole day is filled with me worshiping him, staying in a place, even when I'm doing something else. I'm conscious of him. Now, I have, on, I have an innate, as you all do, a, inside of me knowing that there's a war, knowing that any time a dark can be sent. But I don't live in a conscious list. My thoughts are not 
where's the devil, where's the devil, where's the devil? Live in a, he said in Philippians, to set your mind on these things. Dwell on truth, honesty, justice, peace, all, all these things that are up in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, in just a moment, I'm going to have you turn to 2 Samuel. I won't have you turn there just yet because you'll be reading in front of me. But uh, I want to talk about David. We're going to use David this morning, one of our heroes. I believe he probably is to you. I will say this about David, uh, the king. We're going to observe things about David, the king. Now, uh, David, the king, was the greatest king that Israel and Judah ever had. How do you say that? Because, or why do you say that, Pastor? Because no other king was given the title, a man after God's own heart. He captured the heart of God. There was many others, you know, especially in the southern kingdoms, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Asa, the different ones that would come, have momentary revivals and bring back Israel, but none, there was no king like David that had the heart of God. And one thing about David Though he did backslide for a season, um, he never, ever, ever went after any false gods. He may have done human sins, but he did not do uh, the sin of turning to another god and worshiping another god. So um, there was, and we're going to turn there in just present tense, there was a turning point in all of David's history like no other turning point that was a, a cruxable that really just changed his life and the future of Israel forever, and that is in 2 Samuel. And we'll have you turn there. 2 Samuel. And it is in chapter 11. So I'm going to read... Really, most all of these, these uh, well, these two chapters. And I'll just exhort as the Lord has me because there's some excellent points as revivalists and of what we just heard this morning concerning these prophecies that we really need to hear. And so those of you at home, I hope you're there. Second Samuel chapter 11. Hallelujah. And... In fact, today's message is the title of today's message. And I've got notes this morning. A lot of times, especially uh, in the last, I don't know, a long time now, there's been times the Lord just takes me and there's just an exhortation. Or last Sunday, <laughs> last Sunday, I didn't even hardly know where I was at for a while. Uh, the Lord was just prophesying through most of that message. And... Uh, I hardly knew my name after the, it was over. It was so wonderful for all of us, though. It was so very powerful. But this morning, I have notes to say on track as far as a teacher this morning. And we want to look at David here. And we're going to start in chapter 11, 2 Samuel, verse 1. And it came to pass, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go to battle, and of course you could put war in there and it would be, it would be proper, when kings go to war, that David sent Joab. Now, let me just stop right there and to get, just give you kind of, we'll, we won't stop a whole lot because we've got quite a bit of reading. And then 
several other things to say besides. But the word says here, as we just read, that at that time of year when that had, had, had expired, after the year was expired, at the time when kings go to, and I put war, because there's always a war, this was, uh, and I've read quite a bit on this, this was, it wasn't like a scheduled date, but all of these kings and history, they would go to war in the spring, usually the spring of the year. Actually, uh, several, if you'll read several uh, other translations other than King James, it will say in the spring of the year. It'll actually say that, and that's their interpretation. But it was in the spring of the year, it was after the winter months when the ground started started to dry out where they could move uh, their campaigns into an area of battle. They could move chariots without them getting stuck. They could move, you know, all of their supplies and their, you know, ammunition and, uh, you know, the food sources to feed thousands. They could not do that in winter months and seasonal raining months. They had to wait till the ground dried up. So if you follow David in the Old Testament and you know, there's no way for us to even go into it. But if you go into, um, you know, Samuel, the book of Samuel, like that we're in, and, and the book of Kings and Chronicles, you'll find that David was a, he was a king, but, you know, he, he just started. We, we, you know, over there in Sunday school, they're teaching our kids, and they, you know, they've, they've probably taught them several times about David and Goliath, but that was just the, you know, that was just the beginning. This guy... It's incredible. There's no way to list the, the wars and the battles that this man fought. He was an incredible king warrior or slash warrior king. I mean, he just fought and led. He was like uh, Sir, Sir William Wallace, you know, with Braveheart. He, he not only was out there, um, you know, encouraging his men, but if you, if you read um, the battles that he fought and the men that he fought and the I mean, constant through those, the tenure of his kingship, it was truly, you know, when the Lord said to him through the prophet Nathan, David, you can't, David wanted to build a temple. And he said, David, uh, I'd like to, I'm paraphrasing, but you've been a man of blood. You've been a man of war. Your whole kingdom has been set up, and it was necessary. I mean, he fought, fought, fought kingdom after kingdom, and the amazing part about David is he was on the front lines. If you want to call him a preacher or a pastor, he was not a pastor that spoke from the pulpit and said, you guys go out and get him. He was a guy that said, follow me. I'm going into war, and everybody that wants to go with me, let's go. That's the kind of pastor, that's the kind of man that David was. But um, So let's continue reading here, of course. Let me just start again since I've given you some history here. And it came to pass after the year was expired <clears throat> at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they destroyed the children of Ammon, besieged Rabbah. Uh, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. And it came to pass in eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, or the palace. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. 
And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, it's, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lied with her, for she, w- for she was purified from her uncleanliness, and she returned into her house, her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. And David sent to Joab, saying, Send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And I'll stop right there, so if you'll pause with me and look up. We're going to read some more about Uriah, and I'm going to tell you in just a moment. Of course, we just read that because of this adulterous affair, David impregnated Bathsheba. His thought process was this. I can hide this. This is his first, you know, his first sin was adultery. Then he compounds that by trying to bring forth a deception to the nation. He thought, if I can call Uriah off the battlefield, get him home in time, and if he spends any time with his wife, it'll be understood that Uriah is the father of this child. So he thought that. Once you don't get this in this chapter, but I will tell you this by other places that you could go to if we had the time to give you this morning. But Uriah, especially if you go to, uh, there's a place in, I believe it's 2 Corinthians, it's uh, 2 Chronicles. It's either 1 Chronicles, I think it's 2 Chronicles. But Uriah was one of David's mighty men. He was. He was listed as one of the men that was actually, I don't know that he was one of the 30, but he had a notable ranking. He was like a, one of those guys that David said, these are the best of the best warriors, and these are the guys. So this is not a buck private. It's not somebody David had never met. It was somebody he, was, he knew. Um, he knew him face to face. He knew him, and, um, which compounded the sin uh, all the worse. But he sent to Joab, which was David's, he was his military gene, general in the earth, or in, the, in his army. Joab was, uh, we won't go into explanation on that, he was a henchman. He was a hatchet man. He did whatever David told him to do without question. So I guess if you want one of those kind of men, Joab was the best of the best. But David sent, in verse 6, to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah to David. And when Uriah was come unto him, David demanded of him how Joab did and how the people did and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, go down to thy house and wash thy feet. And Uriah departed unto the king's house and there followed him a mess of meat, you know, provision that David had given from the king. And Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of the Lord, and went not down to the house. In other words, he stayed in the palace courtyard with everyone else. He wouldn't go down to his own house. And Uriah said unto David, uh, in verse 10, And when they told David, saying, Uriah went not down to his house, David said unto Uriah, Camest thou not from thy journey? Why then didst thou not go down into thy house? And Uriah said unto David, Here's a heart of a real warrior here. The ark of the Lord, or the ark, and, the, and Israel, and Judah abide in tents. And my lord Joab, that's his general, of course, 
and the servants of my Lord are encamped in the open fields. Shall I then go into my house to eat and to drink and to lie with my wife? As thou livest and as thy soul livest, I will not do this thing. What a patriarch, of, a, a real valiant soldier. And David said unto Uriah, <clears throat> Tarry here today and also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. So Uriah abode in Jerusalem that day and the morrow. And when David had called him, he did eat and drink before him. He's, so David has a second plan here. And he made him drunk. And even and at evening, he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but went not down to his house. And it came to pass in the morning that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retire from him that he may be smitten and died. And it came to pass when Joab observed the city that he besieged Uriah, assigned Uriah unto a place where he knew that valiant men were. So Uriah delivers this letter. He doesn't know that he's delivering his own sealed death warrant. And the men of the city went out and fought with Joab. And there fell some of the people of the servants of David, and Uriah the Hittite died also. And then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning war. And he charged the messenger, saying, When thou hast made an end of telling the matters of war unto David, if so be that the king is angry, or his anger arise, and he say unto thee, Wherefore approached ye so nigh unto the city when you did fight? In other words, why did you go so close to the wall? Knew you not that they would shoot from the wall? Who smote Abimelech, the son of Jerusheth, did not a woman cast a piece of millstone upon him from the wall that he died at Thebes? At Thebes? Why went ye nigh to the wall? Then say thou, thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the servant went, and came and showed David all that Joab had sent him for. And the messenger said unto David, Surely the men prevailed against us, and came out unto us unto, into the field, and we were upon them even unto the entering of the gate. In other words, they pursued them, David's men. And the shooters shot from off the wall upon thy servants, and the same of the king's servants be dead. And thy servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said unto the messenger, Thus shalt thou say unto Joab, Let not this thing displease thee, for the sword devoureth one as well as the other. Make thy battle more strong against the city and overthrow it. And he encouraged him. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when the morning was past, David sent and fetched her to his house, and she became his wife. And she bare him a son, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. Nathan was the premier prophet of the day and hour. And he said, and he came unto him and said unto him, there was, he's going to give him a parable. There were two men in one city. The one was rich and the other was poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds. But the poor man had nothing, save or except 
one little ewe lamb, which he had brought up and nourished up, and it grew up together with him and with his children and did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom and was unto him a daughter. And there came a traveler unto him, that is the rich man, he said, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd. In other words, the rich man would not even take of all of he had to dress for the wayfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man and said unto Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that has done this shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he has done or did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan said, the classic statement, thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. I gave thee thy master's house, thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and Judah and if that had been too little, I would have moreover have given thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in the sight? Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. In other words, you use them as your means of murder. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thy house, because thou hast despised me and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. And notice that God said he despised him, God. Thus saith the Lord, because I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house. And I will take thy wives before thine eyes and give them unto thy neighbors. And to th he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all of Israel and therefore and before the son and David said unto Nathan this is the man that was very repentful I have sinned against the Lord and Nathan said unto David the Lord also hath put away thy sin thou shalt not die howbeit because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, blasphemy, or blaspheme. The child also that is born of thee shall surely die. And Nathan departed unto his house. And the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bare unto David, and it was very sick. And David therefore sought God for the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night upon the earth. And the elders of the house arose and went to him to rise to raise him up from the earth but he would not neither did he eat bread with them and it came to pass on the seventh day that the child died and the servants of David feared to tell him that the child was dead for they said behold while the child was alive he spake unto him we spake unto him and he would not hearken to us or unto our voice how will he then vex himself if we tell him that the child is dead. But when David saw that his servants whispered, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore David said unto the servants, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. And David arose from the earth and washed and anointed himself and changed his apparel. 
and came into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he came to his own house, and when he required, they set bread before him, and he did eat. Then said his servants unto him, What thing is this that thou hast done, that thou didst fast and weep for the child while it was alive? But when the child was dead, thou didst raise, rise and eat bread. And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, For who can tell whether God will be gracious to me that the child may live? But now he is dead. Wherefore should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. And David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went in unto her and lie with her. And she bare a son and called his name Solomon, and the Lord loved him. And he sent by the hand of Nathan the prophet and called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. And Joab fought against Rabbah of the children of Ammon and took the royal city. And Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and have taken the city of waters. Now therefore gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it, lest I take the city and it be called after my name. And David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah and fought against it and took it. And he took their king's crown from off his head and the weight thereof was a talent of gold and precious stones and it was set on David's head. And he brought forth the spoils of the city in great abundance. And he brought forth the people that were therein and put them under Saul's. In other words, he made them slaves and harrows of iron and axes. And they passed, of course, through the, the brickyards and did, they gathered and did whatever in closing that David had for them to do. Interesting story, right? Incredible. Some of you are familiar with it, some not. Some, for the first time, have read through that. Um, now I'm going to read through most of my notes, comment some, but please listen carefully. Thank you for being attentive through that Bible reading. You know, if we come into the house of God and read the Bible, we've done everything. Paul said, give yourself to attendance and to the reading of the word. So they're not just personally, but when you come together. Here's some observations. If you stay, if you stay at the palace in war, you will always be distracted. What? <laughs> in other words, if you come in here and you hear this message or you're out there and hear this message, inevitably, if you don't engage in it, I'm not saying you'll totally backslide. I'm not saying that. But you will always be distracted. There will always be something. If you do not go to war with Joel's army, there will always be a play pretty for you to play with. There will always be a distraction for you. There will always be another project in your life, another business project, another vacation for you to go to, another home to build, something that will always be more important than going to war. Um, it was the most amazing thing in David's life that he, I, want to, I don't want to miss any of these notes that the Lord gave me because they're spot on for helping us understand. 
what you need to understand is here is a perfect picture of a man who never ever did anything but go to war with his people. The time that he chose to say, Joab, you go fight. I'll stay here. Why did he do that? I don't know. Was he at a point where he said, you know, I've, I've done enough. I've just prayed enough. I've been there enough. I've heard enough about um, revival. I've heard pastor get on to me enough about being in church. You know, bless God, let him have his revival. And I say glory to God. But you know what? David, at one point, the time that he made the biggest mistake of his life is that he, as a king, did not go out to war. Kings are not supposed to stay in the palace when the war is taking place. Let me say these things, and please, if you need to listen to this again to get it, we all need to listen to it again to get it, probably. True intimacy with Jesus is on the battlefield. True intimacy with Jesus is being engaged. Jesus, Jesus lives in the tents on the battlefield. Do you understand that? That's where he's at. Uh, <laughs> Jesus will visit the billionaire in the penthouse because he's just he's the god of everybody and while the billionaire has him on the top floor and you're overlooking the gulf and you're just and it <sighs> rich things are nice wonderful you know i think jesus would go there if they were christians and they wanted a fellowship and he'd go if they weren't but Let's say he had a Christian, Jesus would go to the Christian billionaire. Well, Jesus, um, you know, he'd, he, he may walk around there and enjoy it, looking out over the gulf. How do you want your steak, Jesus? Oh, this is medium, rare. <laughs> what do you have to drink, Kool-Aid or coffee? Somebody like, Jesus, don't do that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> But I'm telling you this, at some point in the penthouse view, the host is going to say, where is Jesus? And somebody's going to say, he's in the parking garage or he's in the parking lot down there on ground zero healing people and ministering to people. It's all right to have, it's all right to have ambition, it's all right to be going forward. I'm speaking to, I'm speaking to revivalists now, okay? This is revivalist message. But for us revivalists, we just read this, and the Lord was saying, look, not to, not to our fear that the days, wouldn't, wouldn't a good shepherd tell his flock it's going to get worse before it gets better? We've seen a lot of things in the last couple of years, but our, our good shepherd through the Holy Spirit is saying, don't fear, but your preparation being strong and getting stronger and enduring and getting more acquainted with endurance is going to, no, don't tell me it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. 
But here's the thing. If we engage in going into him with prayers, fastings, and doing the things that we know to do, it's really not going to be that bad at all. Because why? We're going to be seated in a place of authority and in a place of peace. Everybody say that. with I, I just love, say this with me. Jesus won't stay in the penthouse. He has to go to ground zero. Where the hurting are at. Amen. Continually as a group and everybody that's watching, continually make this your disposition. Please, I beg of you, not as a command, but as a, in a sense of the word just saying, look, if you want to go in with God deeper and stronger, continually acquaint yourself with the man of sorrows. Who's that? Isaiah 53, don't turn there, but I'll just read it to you. This is Christ. He is despised and rejected of man, of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath bore our griefs, and he carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten, and afflicted. Jesus is, his compassion is the earth. Listen, he loves, he loves the high, those that have. And those that seem like in the church they have it together. But I can tell you this. Jesus might go and minister at the penthouse, but he'd rather be at St. Jude's Hospital. That's where he'd rather be. And the day that you're no longer, well, I'll just pray for you. Y'all go get him. I'll go. I'll, I'll stay here at the palace. David would have never, ever, if he would have been engaged in the war, he would have never been tempted to go take another man's wife. When he did not do what he was supposed to do as a leader, and every single one of you say, Pastor, I'm glad you're our leader. No, 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 no. We're warriors together. The book of Revelation calls us, I probably have it here somewhere in Scripture, the book of Revelation calls us kings and priests. We're all, a number of different verses, at least two different verses in Revelation, that we're all called kings and priests. And these kings, all of us as kings and priests, we've heard from our, our commander-in-chief, and he says, go into war. If he says go into war, we can't say, no, I'll stay at the palace, and I'll pray for those that are going into war. Joab, you go. Because inevitably, like I said, you might, not get, you might not backslide, but if you don't engage, I can tell you this, I, can, I know this as surely as I know that I'm born again. If you don't engage in this, eventually you'll find something in your palace that will distract you. You can be saying amen every Sunday morning, but you'll never be engaged with us because your business will be too, too important to you. Your family will be too, too important to you. Your projects will be too important to you. <laughs> I'm not getting enough amens, but I'll, hallelujah. I know you're listening. Hallelujah. Romans 12, you can just listen. This is a, this is a variation of Isaiah 53, Romans 12, 15 says this, Rejoice with them 
that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. What does that mean? It means the flesh loves the palace. It loves comfy, cozy. It doesn't, it does not like, the flesh doesn't like the prophecies that I read this morning. It would rather say, yea, saith the Lord, there's prosperity for all of you. Blessings are ahead. You're going to, there's going to, this, this government is going to be ripped up and another government set in place and you're not going to, you're not going to face tribulation in the days ahead. Thus saith the Lord. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. (laughs) It hates the battlefield of fasting and prayer. Come on, somebody. The flesh is the greatest negotiator. It's the greatest negotiator. I don't know about you. Now, see, I'm going to tell you something, and you're, not going to, you're just going to gasp. You're going to go, I can't believe that, because I know it's never happened to you. The flesh is the greatest negotiator. I am the best talking about the fast that I'm going to go on when I've just finished a big steak. I can tell you I'm fixing to go on. I'm fixing to do some fasting. A lot of times while we're eating, I'll hear people talking about we're going to go on a fast. You know what? The flesh does that to you to sedate you, to make you believe that you're going to do something that you're not going to do. Say it. Thank you. Finally, I get to say it. I'm going to start fat. Listen, it'll do this to you. It has to me. Maybe never to you. I'm going to start fasting right after the holidays. Mm -hmm. I'm going to really start praying after this event. This is a big big event in my life, but I'm going to start praying after this big event. As soon as I get home from vacation, flesh, you're coming under. Yeah, I've given you some vacation time, but you're going to... As soon as my company leaves... As soon as my company leaves. Now, I'm not trying to brag on myself, but I'll tell you this. I've had several people come and stay with us over the last few years, several years. Jim and Kathy, the friends from Georgia, the friends from Alabama, and maybe numerous ones. I can, if they walk, because I tell them, the co- shortly after five, the coffee pot will be on. If you guys, And some of them get up right out. But I've scared people sitting in that front room chair when I say, good morning. Because <laughs> if, I'm, I don't care if there's company. Now, I might not get the time in that I normally, because then you got, you can't, because if you ever give excuse, the excuses are like the stars of the heaven. They are without number. As soon as I get back from this, as soon as I get this accomplished, as soon as I, you, when do you start? You start now. What is the simple message of these prophecies? I, I don't know. I, I try to boil things down into a quick synopsis so I can catch it where, because I'm kind of simple. Um, but the, what I got from these prophecies is double down. 
You say, my God, how many, you, you double, how many times can you double down? I don't know, but I keep hearing the Holy Spirit double down. In other words, don't stop doing what you're doing. Did y'all get warm in here? Because I did. You're okay? I'm preaching. Hallelujah. And Gay says, no, I'm freezing. Okay. Somebody says, well, how do you continue to double down when you already think that you're exhausted? Listen to this. You can just listen. Isaiah 40 says this. Has thou not known? Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. In other words, pastor, I can't even, I, I can't get motivated. I can't, or I was motivated, but I'm not motivated now. And I don't know what, you know, every Sunday it's like prayer. Every Sunday it's like double down. Every Sunday it's a prophecy like get strong. We're teaching revivalist. But even if you don't feel like you have no motivation or lack motivation, there's a simple, simple thing that we just read. If you'll park it, like Isaiah said, he that waits on the Lord will renew their strength. The motivation will come. Now, if you don't park it, if you don't ever, if you don't ever just, and he'll give you grace for that. What does that mean? Sit it, sit your seat down and say, Lord, I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek your face. And if you'll do that, inevitably the motivation will come back or will come. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Continuing to just uh, give you observation course we leave the palace by fasting and prayer um, we just read those prophecies I don't know if you when when he said it's going to get worse you thought wow I don't want to hear that I, I don't think any of us ever do but what is the what is the encouragement when we hear it's going to get worse I'll read this to you Isaiah 60 arise shine for thy light is come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee for behold, the darkness shall co cover the earth and gross. Now, this is a prophetic for us today. Gross darkness, the people, but the Lord shall rise upon thee and the, his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light and the kings to the brightness of thy rising. In other words, the worse it gets out there, the better it's going to get in here inside the light. So we almost just say, Lord, go ahead and let it go. Just, just, you know. You know, America's really, I don't know if you agree, don't agree, that's okay, I, I, I don't care, either way. America is under judgment, a partial judgment right now. We prayed like all get out for what eventually happened. The only way that, the reason why is because God had to, because the church, a big portion of the church is backslidden, and America has entered into a partial judgment. America's got to come to a place where it says, God, we've got to have you again. We've got to have righteousness again. We've got to stop killing millions of babies, and we've got to 
stop saying, you know, in our churches that the praise team, it's okay if three of them are homosexuals. That's okay, God. Uh, we don't want, listen, okay, got to be slow. <laughs> I could come on, but <laughs> I could really come on, and it could be bronc, so. Breathe, <laughs> breathe. <laughs> it's hard when you've got a mega church, 10, 15, 20,000, and millions are coming in. You've got a major decision. Because what you're fixing to do, if you start preaching righteousness, you're about to unplug some things. I believe some men in this last day will do that. I don't know any that I've heard of yet. But I believe it's possible. So I'll say this. This is, this is not thus saith the Lord. Okay, I'm not saying thus. Because a lot of times when I'm standing in this place, you could get it like, well, the Lord's saying that. This is not a thus saith the Lord, although like Paul said, I love the way Paul wrote. He was writing about marriage and different places in Corinthians and uh, the house and different things. He would say, this is me, this is God. This is me, this is God. But then when he ended the chapter, he says, but I, I will say this, I have God. In other words, God colors everything that I think, you know, or I wouldn't be giving it to you. So I, I will say this to everybody, don't trust the present prosperity of the hour. The stock market's through the roof, uh, uh, different things. There's a lot. There's 10 times more jobs than there is people to employ, you know, to, that, that, that want to work. The government has helped make this a nanny state. Um, but don't trust the present prosperity. I think that, I believe that part of the dark times and those prophecies could be very possibly, I said months ago, don't rush out and buy a bunch of stuff. It's all right if you have cash to pay for it, but don't get in debt. I'm telling you, um, overnight, what looks like prosperity can turn into, this looks exactly like 2007 and eight to me, this inflation. I've lived through enough of these in the earth to see that what people are rejoicing over comes to naught overnight. And so be very, very, very careful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We cannot afford to accept. Listen, I'm saying this to, event, to, uh, to us as a church, and I, I believe that I'm in full agreement in here, so I'm not preaching at anybody, but I continue to reiterate what God has said to uh, all of us time and time again. Two visions will destroy our one vision. We can't, we can't have two visions. We have one call, and uh, it's, our, it's like Gary said last week, I love it, it's, that's our part in the promised land. He was talking about a mega church pastor, didn't name him. The guy was having great results, and he said, I haven't found anything in what I've read that's contrary to what I believe, although I haven't heard anything that he's preached, but he's, he's got this huge mega tr church, but he has a son that has an incredible uh, infirmity and the Lord said to him, because Gary said, you know, once I was reading all the stuff they're doing, blah, blah, blah. He goes, I was willing to save God if that's the path, you know. But he came to that poor part where the man's son is terribly afflicted. And he said, God said to him, that's your part. See, that's our part. The impossible cases. Signs and wonders, not for the purposes of signs and wonders, but for the purposes 
of the, this is our assignment. What? To receive a spiritual outpouring with signs and wonders to the extent that it brings forth a great harvest in the earth. Well, Pastor, I, I love this one evangelist. They're getting a lot of stuff done, and they're just seeing incredible miracles on the streets. That's wonderful, and I thank God for that. I praise God, but I can tell you that the streets, now witness as you go, and if they come into your sphere, witness to them. Pray for them if they ask, but that's not our assignment. Well, they're getting it results. Okay, what kind of results? Because I, you know, well, they're what you're asking for. Really? Yes, just what you're asking for, but they're doing it. Wonderful. Really? You mean to tell me I can go get Homer this afternoon? And I can, we can, Homer and I can fly somewhere, and when he gets back, he'll see how beautiful Rosie is? That's what you're telling me? Uh, well, I'm not telling you that. Well, that's not, that's not what we're after. You, yeah, but they're, you, they're doing it, Pastor. You, they're doing that? No, 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 they're, they're not quite, well, by faith. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about faith. I'm talking about past faith. I'm talking about every time, all the time. Because I can tell you this, and there's no brag in this. This is just, I, if we were doing that, we would have, if we were doing that, the level of anointing that we're at, we'd have the same kind of results that they're getting some healed and some not healed. But if you find a place and you say, well, I know that place, it always happens. No. You mean you've known that and you wouldn't tell us? <laughs> you've known a place where we could take home or two today? But I know this, if we don't stay at the palace, if we continue to go into what our call is, this is what our call is. And don't give me, don't come and try, you're, you're, see, some people will come and they'll say, but our, I've got this vision, I love what you're saying, but this is our vision. Well, I'd say, look, I tell them, my, my deal is politely to say, I, I never tell anybody, go, I just say, look, you'll stay miserable here because we're not going to change for you. Will never change for you. Not today, not tomorrow. Go find the church that does what you're saying and just get real involved in it. Go, I mean, f go with them, go with them. But ours is going into war, into the battle. Our, our place out there in the field with Joab and with the generals and with those that are fighting for this is fasting and prayers and seeking of God. When they come into your midst and they want prayer, pray for them. But we're not going to give you two visions of feeding the poor right now on the streets or doing this. We're not going to give you two visions when it's hard enough to get you here to do one vision. I don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good now. Thank you. We must stay on our foundation. It's so important. I've been in this with my brethren that are men that preach and teach that I look to and say these are my pastors as well although Pastor Dave was over us all he still is in my heart and he always will be um, I've seen others come and try and be a part of us and I'm not just saying a part of us here but a part of the general group that we all would listen to at times, respect and hear what they had to say. 
And at some point, um, they would feel that God gave them something that was something they needed to deliver to all of us. But what they were receiving uh, would have eventually taken us off the foundation and given us two visions or three visions instead of, and uh, God would work with them for a while and try to restore them if possible. But I, I can tell you this, and I, I'm not, I don't have any axe to grind with any of those. I'll just say this. This is how, and now I'm reminded, okay, I'm reminded of what he said this morning. He's jealous. He's real jealous of us in a godly manner. In a godly manner. I, I'm not a, not, not a man of jealousy, like I'm suspicious of other men, but, but man, I love my wife. She's number one in my world. I protect her. I watch over her. I keep her. Um, that's the same way. And with these other guys that at times had had a voice in our going forward as a group, and I'm talking about all of our churches, if they didn't, if they couldn't get reconciled and what they were beginning to say, let us off. If God saw it was leading us off the foundation after a while, when they left, it wasn't, or you didn't hear from any them anymore. Sometimes people say, I don't hear from that person or this preacher or that if they left, it wasn't just their flesh or Satan, at the end, it was absolute God. Because God will escalate and cause the division when he has one purpose, and not to throw them to the trash pile, but I'm telling you, and, and I speak this as best as I can in all humility, lest I become a statistics, but I can tell you this, he's very jealous of us. And if any man or woman comes in our midst and rises to a place and then starts to take us off the foundation, which is prayer and fasting, and worship, and confession of the word, and these things that have been given to us to receive this outpouring, they won't stay very long. Eventually, it won't be the enemy that takes them out. It'll be God. God will separate them, because God's very jealous, very jealous. So we walk in these days very fearlessly. Amen? And we continue. Here's just some closing points. We continue to acquaint ourselves with the man of sorrows. In other words, enjoy life. But never get so high on what you've got or what's coming in or your project. Enjoy anything that God gives you. But I can tell you this, always condescend, as, as, as Paul said, always condescend. Go in your heart. Live in a place where your heart's at St. Jude's Hospital. Where your heart's at. You're not flirty, you know, Another high time, another cruise, another vacation. Another, you can take those at time to time. But ours as revivalists, we're condescending going to places where we're desiring that at the, tra at the trash heaps of life, we can pull these people out. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. So the word tells us that in our hearts, and this is a, Really getting close. Revival has not been described to us fully. I, I've, I've tried to give revival something that was an appetite inside of all of us. 
But the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10, and this is not described, this has been used a lot of times at funerals to describe the sweet by and by. This is not, and I could prove that contextually, but I don't have time. But it says this, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. As we stay in that place of intimacy and listen, I've, I've loved what the Lord has said recently through a couple of prophecies, which I didn't even know were coming. He's described us as individuals, like having fingerprint spirits, that he's dealing with every single one of you, a mom, a dad, a husband, a business man, whatever your trek is in life, he will deal with you not as a, a blatant sense, but as a father to deal with your life and help you come over and get this done, okay? And spend the time you need to spend. And so in this, as you spend that time, this scripture is revealed that it enters into your heart. So he's not talking about the sweet by and by. It says, you can't imagine all the wonderful things that God has in store in this life. Revival is one of them. An outpouring is one of them. You watch him come in here in the days ahead and fill that field outside, and you say, God will say to you, you had a, a major part in that. Your eye of the tiger, your absolute uh, laser focused on what you were supposed to be doing and staying in prayer and staying in fasting, going forward, you help bring this about. Hallelujah. So, warriors, amen. And we're not God. <laughs> the one time David stayed at home, he got in a mess. The one time. <laughs> David. Man. David, 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 David. It's hard to fall into sin when you're engaged in the war. If your mind is set on pleasing him and engaged in the war, you don't have time. <laughs> classic. It's the classic idleness is the devil's workshop. <laughs> yep. Hallelujah. Let's all stand. Have a wonderful day today. And uh, I will see many of you back here tonight. I'll pray over you in prayer. Bless those that are watching. Father, we thank you for the great grace. When kings go out to war, we want to be one of those kings. There is a war present tense, and it is being fought in the earth, and it's fought for this region. It's fought for the region of wherever anybody else is at this morning. So I pray that every king will get off the couch. Every king will get, get out of the palace. That every king will go forth and say, Lord, what's my part in all of this? I'll be engaged in all of everything that you're calling us to do in these last days. Father, we bless you and we thank you for this opportunity to speak your word, minister your life and grace. In the precious name of Jesus, we bless the people. Bring us back tonight. We thank you for it. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody said amen. God bless you. Hallelujah. Love you so much.